0: KFCF in Fresno, 97.5, K248 BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your mind Every Friday, happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys, there's your pick. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone, this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw It's Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. You know how it is Mayday is supposed to be a signal for emergencies, you know. Uh, Help, help, Mayday, yes. Uh, Actually, Mayday goes back a long ways. It's all about the workers. Yes, workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. I always paraphrase, yes. Women, women of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your pain. Hmm. Is that... What is it? Is that self-pitying? Never mind, never mind. My mind is in a spin. I think the reason is that I try to do too many things. I have here nine issues or, you know, little notes. I think I'll save Bill Cosby and save some other stuff. But... I think what I'll do is I will just, listen, I'm afraid I'll get into my May Day rap and I won't be able to tell you about, uh, Angels in America over at the Berkeley Rep and Howard's End on TV. Now, those are my biggies and I've, I've got to do an in-depth, intelligent, culture critics job of writing them up, you know. Anyway. I just Angels in America is still with me. I saw it on Saturday. Both the uh, both the first half, you know, uh, Perish. Well, Perestroika is the second. The first half is Millennium approaches. It's about the eighties and about Reagan and AIDS and all that stuff. But for me, what stays with me from Angels in America, Tony Kushner's breakthrough play, you know. Uh, is the moment the moment when the angel reaches out to the Mormon mother and there's this orgiastic, orgasmic embrace. <laughs> the, the look on the face of the angel, that's what stays with me. Ah, uh, uh, the line. I've been carrying that line around since I first saw the play 20, 25 years ago over at the Eureka, the... Angel tells the Mormon mother that the body, she says, the body is the garden of the soul. I've been carrying that around for a quarter of a century. Anyway, uh, I'm afraid that I mix up the TV version, uh, with the one that I saw on Saturday, uh, Oh, yes. Uh, dear me, there are so many actors. I think you're just going to have to look them up. Uh, Al Pacino's performance as Roy Cohen in the TV version. That's his the performance of his lifetime. Anyway, uh, check out Millennium Approaches and Up under the uh, title of Angels in America over at the Berkeley Rep. And I will try to put together... An intelligent, intelligent interpretation of what it means to have a breakthrough event like uh, Angels in America. I remember, uh, let's see, the first one I think I remember was uh, Beckett's Waiting for Godot in the 50s uh, changed everything. And uh, then later... Entosakishangese for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. That's the 70s. And, oh, a few more. I'll have to save it. Uh, I just, yeah, I just wanted to give you a heads up so that you can get tickets for that show. Uh oh, I have so much stuff here. Piles. I just, I make all these little notes. I think stuff. Somebody told me stuff is the plural of things. I looked up things. It's a thing. A thing is a Scandinavian assembly in the Middle Ages. How about that? It's a thing. Anyway, if you can't get to the theater, you've got a TV set, and you can get Star's Network. uh, It may be, it may be, um, uh, maybe you can trace it on HBO as well. Anyway, Howard's End by E.M. Forrester has hit the television and it's um uh, what do you call that? Uh something that I'm emotionally involved with, so I, I have to be careful before I review it properly because once again I'm gonna mix it up with the feature film. The feature film has uh, um Vanessa Redgrave, um Emma Thompson, Helena Bonham Carter, uh <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, the, the whole all the usual suspects. Now the uh the series, I have to say, uh I, I don't think it's fair to compare. The series is four hours long. The feature film is two hours long. Uh check them out and see what you think. I think you have to you have to uh, make allowances. These are two very different writers. Uh what I, uh, what I loved was the fact that uh, it's all about my mythos. Howard's End is a house. It's a place. For me, it represents uh, the hearth, the goddess Hestia. She's the goddess of the hearth. It's all about this home, this uh, house. Now, it seems to belong to a woman who's dying, and she wants to give it to a younger woman who is... Uh, wise, and uh, whom, what is it, she identifies with, uh, although the the dying woman is not a feminist, she says she would, what is it, uh, she's grateful not to have to deal with the vote, but uh, the young woman, uh, she is definitely uh, liberal, but it's the Edwardian age, and you know, she has to deal with things as they are, her younger sister on the other hand, is an out-and-out rebel, uh, now, I think, you know, I think of the goddess Hestia, because she's the one who is, not a homebody, but she does cling to the hearth, but it's not about being a housewife, uh, it's all about having her own place, you know, now, whether it's a a kitchen or, you know, a bedroom, whatever, uh, I I think of Mort Sall in the 1950s, he proclaimed, a woman's place is in the stove, you got that, anyway, uh, the ancient pagan story is the one I love, uh, if you are a student of the mythos in, uh, what do you call that, let's call it pre-Christian pagan goddess society there was a place uh it was called Avery and like it's not Stonehenge but it's you know it's almost as old and it's where uh the women well let's let's just call it um, a place where the goddess was real uh now this goddess thing, you know, runs all the way through history, the Vestal Virgins in Rome and all that. Uh but if you go all the way back, at least as far as we can go, you will find that the goddess is, of course, the mother mother of us all, you know. And so this uh this show, Howard's Inn, you see, it's about uh, it's about her temple her land, her property, her fireplace. Uh, I just get all emotional every time I see Howard's End, whether it's the feature film or the TV series, because that's the house I dream of, the house I always wanted. All kinds of ways to get your hands on it, as you will see if you watch Howard's End. Uh, I don't know if E.M. Forster is a good feminist, but he sure tries. Uh, I think uh, I watched Howard's End maybe three times this past weekend, and I have to say, I uh, I don't want to pick it as my all-time favorite modern film, I think that goes to Virginia Woolf, but never mind, check out Howard's End and tell me if you think that it's a, uh, what do you call it, it's a feminist fist in the air, but it's also quite pagan, yes, uh, got to protect our space and, uh, you know, if you want to take your pregnant sister and give her a place for at least one overnight, you know, you make that demand and you stand your ground. Um, Anyway, never mind, E.M. Forrester has a lot of books that we have to talk about and they're all hitting the television uh, series, Masterpiece Theater and so forth. Uh, Okay. Okay, I guess, yes, I noticed the third time I watched it that the woman, the old woman, the one that the uh, modern businessman, uh, (laughs) Matthew uh, McFadden plays the role in Howard's End, uh, uh, he calls this woman a charwoman, right? Uh, She, of course, is the keeper of the flame. She keeps the house alive, and she takes the younger woman's uh, furniture and sets it up properly. Uh, But it's a site from the ancient times, and her name is Mrs. Avery. You look up Avery, you will find that it's the site of the oldest of the uh, goddess figures. Never mind more about that stuff later. So many people wince when I start talking about about uh, the goddess yes uh let's let's put it down I like to call it let's call it mother right it's as ancient a law uh, as I've found it's about justice you know it's a little late for justice but the women are out there trying never mind uh now before I get to my oh dear my may Day rant I just mustn't forget to tell you, Danny Glover is coming free event. Free event. I love to mention free events because a lot of people find it difficult uh, to pay the ticket price. I'm looking Thursday, May the 3rd. That's day after tomorrow. I'm going to try and get there. Danny Glover speaking Thursday, May the 3rd, 7 p.m., Cathedral of the Christ of Light. 2121 Harrison Street in Oakland, presented by Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Center and Peralta Community College District. This is uh, well, it's Barbara Lee and Ellie Lou Harris lecture series. Got that. The lecture series focuses on resisting oppression and constructing democracy. Uh, And it's all about participation and community and how everybody's got to get behind the wheel and give a push. Anyway, Danny Glover advocates the creation of a 21st century narrative, a narrative based on unity within the United States and around the world. There we go. That's it. If you want to check out those dates and times again, check the Berkeley Tri-City Post and, of course, I'm sure it's online. Uh, Hmm. Hmm. Danny Glover, I just can't help, well my mind goes back to the first time, one of the first times I saw him in San Francisco long before he became a famous movie star he was in a play by Fugard the South African writer play was called Blood Knot it's about a black, uh Uh, Black, African, and a mixed race. (laughs) Yes, half white. Uh, uh, These two men are brothers, and of course, you know all about blood knots. Uh, I remember that there was a very small audience, and I turned to Jean Shelton, who was then uh, starting her school for actors, and... I said, well, you know, where are they? And she said, they're here. They're here. We just can't see them. And there'll be, you know, there'll be more of them later. Sure enough, they were. And uh, I think, you know, being a famous movie star is a useful thing. Very useful. Uh, Danny Glover, Thursday, 7 o'clock. Anyway, never mind all that. It's May Day today. May Day, May Day, May Day. And for some of us, it's not an emergency so much as a time for joyous celebration, for uh, celebrating the workers, maypole dances for pagan festivals, you know. It's all about spring and Easter and once upon a time there were these revolutionary parades. Ah, the Russian Revolution, indeed. You remember Warren Beatty's movie Reds? Uh, he tried, uh, you know, the labor movement is still carrying a flag on May Day. Apparently there's (laughs) at least, was it seven or seventeen percent of the workers are organized? I think it's seven, anyway. I, I sigh because there is no doubt that the great red star has burnt out. Now, m- maybe, maybe uh, it can be resurrected. Uh, we we'll give it new names. Someone said, "I think Jane Fonda." She said, "Don't say socialism. Say economic democracy." Okay. These new ideas and ideologies are the same ideas, but they they need new packaging. So these progressives—they're popping up. Uh, uh, Black Lives Matter is at top of the list now. You know, go out and read the T-shirts and the bumper stickers, and you'll see dozens of new age movements. Now, I'm not sure that it's necessary for them to come together. You know, they used to talk about how they had to unify all these uh, movements. I, I don't think that's necessary anymore because we've got this this brain, this world brain called the net. Anyway so unity is being redefined the global connections are already in place uh, the feminists are well acquainted with the greens and labor is reaching out to everyone all over the world uh, the workers of the world are united I mean you know check it out India knows what's going on in China at least they know some of it uh most, but not all by any means, you know, are these economic forces uh, known, understood. The, the truth is they're not fully understood, but uh, it's coming. The so-called developing nations are plugged in. Uh, the future has arrived. This is What Angels in America is all about, you know. uh, Perestroika, God bless, Gorbachev, and some others, yes. uh, uh Aha. We are there. It's here, folks, the 21st century, the ways and means to economic democracy are right here in front of us. Can be done. I'm for a global minimum wage. Let's go. Let's go for that next. I think of Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes, standing there in the United Nations, talking about a a Declaration of Independence for human beings. Uh, I still get cross when I see all the ways nationalism prevents global community, and I shudder at the mega-monolithic corporate institutions that compete with governments. Oh, which is worse? It's so chaotic. This struggle for power. We don't always know whether the workers, we call them the masses in my day, we don't always know whether the governments can offer people protection from corporate greed or if it's the other way around. Uh, maybe the governments facilitate these land grabs and these social injustices. Uh, it's all about the exploitation of resources. Uh, now, let's face it. We've still got the rich and the poor. Two four-letter words. All these self-righteous progressives arguing. We have the haves and the have-nots. The have a little, the have a lot. Oh, yes. Eleanor Roosevelt. She knew. <laughs> they made such fun of Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, anyway. Uh, check out all that stuff online. Uh, Now, the Declaration of Independence, I rewrote it for women, and now it's been rewritten for humanity at large. Uh, You remember, Thomas Jefferson wrote our Declaration of Independence. He forgot all about, (laughs) you know, the slaves and the women and um, everybody but the men with property, uh, when I was a schoolgirl, I was taught the list of freedoms, freedoms, you know, uh, it was elementary school, right, and freedom from want was always the one that stayed with me, that's my favorite, uh, maybe because it's the one so often ignored, uh, Look to me like that Ben Carson guy might raise my rent. He's, uh, the Secretary for Housing and Urban Development, HUD, you know. And, uh, he's gonna raise my rent from 30% of my income to 35% of my income. Ah, uh, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, hasn't gone through yet. Uh, I just think that we gotta raise up. Fist in the air for uh, subsistence income. I like to call it a GI Bill, guaranteed income. Thou shalt be no poorer than. Hmm. <laughs> I think, uh, yes, I always liked Bertolt Brecht's, uh, what do you call it, motto, slogan. His line is, first feed the face, and then talk right and wrong ideology is all very well, but let's get the people fed. Uh, Oh, enough, enough, enough with the pontificating Jennifer. Uh, Always go from the general to the particular. That's the rule. Feed the folks. There are dozens of them camped out two blocks from my apartment. Most of them in tents. Uh-huh. Make the sandwiches. Uh, Get going, do the hands-on work, uh, Ben Carson, I think there are rumors that he might be trying to hang on to the budget, uh, for housing and urban development, so write him a letter, write him a letter and say, stand your ground, you know, uh, Trump can't make you do, uh, nothing, uh, anyway, I, I don't know, uh, I do see that he scared the elderly and the disabled. The people in my building are in shock. Uh, most of the folks in my building over there at the Harriet Tubman Terrace uh, receive federal assistance. Uh, and I think uh, they are in what I would call... Uh, oh, dear. The, the pose is one of dread... We are not afraid, we'll cope, but we just dread this uh, shadow. Uh, Anyway, uh, Ben Carson may not be a bad guy, but that job, you know, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, requires someone who is familiar with the facts concerning the homeless citizens here in our country now the facts suggest that more affordable housing might not just just uh, <laughs> might not just do us any harm that's the thing we got to go and get some some uh some decent housing now you know and i know that uh uh some folks are trying and i think i have to say that they're losing uh never mind that it's a moral imperative uh we have to show these bureaucrats that in the long run in the long run it's too expensive uh much better to uh, be thrifty i mean homelessness is expensive it's up there with prison maintenance you know the bills come due uh It's always uh, practical to prevent the problems, yes, Uh, the challenges. I love that. The new word for problems is challenges, okay. Now, the costs of the cleanup, the costs of the disasters, those are sky high, you know. Eh, Better to send the kids to Head Start than pay to house them in prisons as adults. Uh, I think the one thing, footnote here, I noticed here, Uh, A friend told me that the one thing that uh, unites uh, the incarcerated population is their lack of a high school diploma. Check it out. And, of course, we know it's better to treat mental illness than to bury all the victims of these mass shootings or to sustain the cost to society when these untrained cops shoot first and... Look for the evidence later. All this social sickness is and has been uh, growing. Curiously, a certain amount of resistance to these dark forces, the dark birds of history. Yes, uh, the resistance is rising. The birds are circling over our heads there. Hovering, shadow, sinister, yes. Some of them, some of us claim that we have felt a fascist fist in the face. I've been feeling it since Reagan came to office. He's the one who slashed the housing and urban development uh budget, the one that uh, LBJ tried to put in place back in 68, was it? Anyway, uh, some folks feel like they have a black boot on their back and their neck. History happens. Mm, Denial is one way to go on, to go on living. Uh, I go back and study Europe between the world wars uh it's a lesson in political poker gertrude stein always told us that well she knew where the there is she wrote let me recite what history teaches history teaches she also wrote history takes time anyway this is all my blathers and effort to grapple with our cultural divide uh is this a civil war? Civility, civility, is. Yes. Hillary used to say, uh, she's speaking of the deplorables, she said they are acting out of fear. Now, that was before, now that she has suffered just about the most humiliating defeat in our electoral history. She may have changed her mind about that. Anyway, these days, I ask myself again and again, just who is afraid? Uh who is afraid of this cultural divide? I search for the echoes and images from the past. That's what tells me what what I need to know. Uh I hope this is not a rerun. More about these uh <laughs> these Cultural Catastrophes. Next Tuesday, this has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Till next week, go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Nomi Prince, former Wall Street executive, current investigative journalist, has just brought out a new book, Collusion, How Central Bankers Rigged the World. She has that rare combination of deep knowledge and brilliant writing. Her new work throws unflinching light on the power players and dark conspiracies of international finance. Nomi Prins will speak on Sunday evening, May 6th, 730, at St. John's Presbyterian Church, 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley. There's wheelchair access at this KPFA benefit. Vilma V. will host. Get tickets at independent bookstores or online at brownpapertickets.com for Nomi Prins, May 6th.